welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. Thanks for listening to our very first show. I'm Jason Meeker, and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. Since this is our first show, you're probably wondering what it's going to be about. Well, that's really up to you. I've got some ideas for the first few shows, but I really want to know what kinds of things you want to hear. Since this is the podcast extension of Successful Farming Magazine, we will be discussing the same kinds of topics you'll see in the magazine, but we also really want the listeners to be involved. Let us know what you think of the show, any suggestions for topics or for future shows, or just to say hello by emailing us at podcast at agriculture.com. You can find information about this show, our social media contacts, and future episodes of the Successful Farming Podcast at www.agriculture.com slash radio. I'm really excited about our first guest for this very first episode. Ray Bohax, the Successful Farming Engine Man, is going to come on. He's going to talk about his background in agriculture and his background in the automotive industry and working with engines and all that sort of thing. So uh, make sure you keep listening to, uh, to hear Ray. Today's program is brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit acuron-herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. Welcome back to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm here with SF Ingeman Ray Bohax. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and great to work with you on this. Yeah, great. Uh, we're glad to have you in Des Moines. You're uh, originally out of New Jersey, where you farm there. Yeah, that's really uh, that's really something that kind of throws people for a loop, because New Jersey, even though our license plates say the Garden State, and to tell you the truth, the county where I live in, Warren County, uh, not that long ago in the 1980s, had actually more dairy cows than people, but wow. sadly that's changed. But thank God there's still an agricultural presence, and we have a... Uh, family farm that's been in uh that we've owned the bohax family's own since 1954 which is before i was born <laughs> okay all right um the first thing i wanted to talk to you about or have you t tell us about uh, me and uh, the listeners is uh, how you got into writing for magazines i know you started off in automobile magazines um, but it was an interesting story you were telling us just a few minutes ago. Uh, tell us, tell us how you got into magazines. You know, like most farm kids, it's really hard to separate cars from tractors and equipment. And I was always uh, a young man that loved mechanical apparatus, no matter what it was. And uh, <clears throat> I have to say, I got that love from my dad. Uh, he was a, a fighter pilot in the Army Air Corps towards the tail end of World War II. There was no Air Force at that particular time. As the uh, listeners know that the Air Force was formed after World War II, and he flew P-51 Mustangs. And what happened was that he had crashed in a sandstorm. And when he crashed, he ended up breaking his nose and they didn't have pressurized cabins back then, so when he would go back up, he would have nosebleeds. Mm -hmm. So since he was mechanically inclined, they made him an aircraft and line mechanic on a bomber crew during World War II. He did not do that afterwards, but his, my love for mechanical things came from him. And then, you know, growing up, growing up on the farm and, uh, you know, having equipment needed to be fixed and also having cars, so I basically always had my foot in 
agriculture, my left foot in agriculture and my right foot, you know, under the hood of a car. So like I said, there's real synergy between them. And then uh, what had happened was that I'm, I have uh, what's called monovision. So I'm nearsighted in one eye and farsighted in the other. Plus I have 2,400 vision in my one eye. So I'm like a cyclops, I tell people. <laughs> I look with one eye at all times. And uh, the reason why I'm just sharing that with you is that uh, that stopped me from my I. I, I dreamt about being a fighter pilot, but they would not let me even near a plane, let alone they would, they would let me near anything. They told me I'm blind in one eye. So, uh, but what had happened was that I always grew up loving mechanical things, and because of my monovision, I am a klutz. I have no depth perception. I I forget about it. I'm not a sports kid. I wasn't a sports kid. I wasn't because of a physical uh, physical ailment with my eyesight. And due to my love for engines and love for machinery, what had happened was that since I was not involved in any sports, I was the kid in second grade who had Hot Rod magazine in his desk. Mm-hmm. So I had so I always read about engines and uh, read about engines, read about machinery, and then what had happened um, was that I was uh, going going to school studying engineering, and I wanted to work. My dream was to work for the big three in Detroit, but then we also had the family farm, so I knew that I had, and I was the only son, so I had an obligation to stay and help with the family farm. It was not a big, a large farm, but it was enough that my dad could not handle it by himself. So that kind of kept me in New Jersey. Okay. Uh, but also what had happened at the same time, I ended up uh, getting a job, what we'd call an in-town job, even though it was 30 miles away <laughs> uh, in a different town. I got a job for an oscilloscope manufacturer. And I also, when I was going to college, I worked as a line mechanic in a Buick dealership. So this kind of all came together my love for farming, my love for engines, my love for technology, my love for machinery. Uh, and I, I was had a shop, excuse me, that was uh, building race engines. And there was a magazine article in a uh, car magazine, a, a Corvette magazine, and they had something uh, written about pistons, and it was wrong. Uh, so I respectfully wrote a letter to them. There was no, there was no internet back then. It was I, my, I faxed it to them, mm-hmm. and I corrected them. And then ultimately, they ended up contacting me to write for them. And that is how I got involved with with the car magazine writing, doing technical writing. But since I was always drawn to agriculture, and and honestly, the engine does not know what it's in. It doesn't know if it's in a Corvette or it doesn't know whether it's in a, in a truck, whether it's in a combine. Uh, I mean, today you could say it's a little bit different because there's such a proliferation of diesel engines and farm equipment. But, you know, back then there were small gas engine combines. I mean, so, uh, but anyway, I love combustion. I love engines and I love agriculture. And I also felt that there was something lacking within the agricultural community, uh, that there was a wonderful job, let's say, through Successful Farming Magazine to talk about uh agronomics to talk about uh, uh, marketing your crop talk about all those different things and they were covering covering uh, engine technology and machinery and but I wanted to try to get involved in that and that's how I ended up here and it's been a blessing to my life it's great because to tell you the truth is my true passion is agriculture and be able to help the agricultural community to understand a little bit more about machinery and their engines uh, really is a blessing to me yeah, and it's it really is a natural fit because farmers are very um, they want to 
if they can do it themselves, they're the original do-it-yourselfers, I think. Oh, the original do you're 100% right, because you were, you were out in the country. There wasn't, there wasn't any place you could go. I mean, it was the, uh, I mean, even today, you're the original survivalist. I mm-hmm. mean, you had to, you know, if the tractor broke down in the field, you had to get it going. If the combine broke, you, I mean, that was your livelihood. I mean, and that's one of the things that really drew me, uh, drew me back to, I don't say back to agriculture, because I never really left it, but I saw that because, uh, you know, as you get older, you look at life differently. Mm-hmm. And the thing basically is, is that, you know, if my writing helped someone's car go faster, I'm a, I'm a drag racer, okay? So uh, go faster in a quarter mile. Really, at, this, at the end of the game, what really good did that do? But if I could be a very, very small gear in this big cog that helps to feed the world, that makes a family business successful, and also to tell you the truth, I would love to inspire a young person on a farm to pursue a career in engineering and that doesn't mean that you cannot come back to the farm it doesn't mean that you mm-hmm. that you have to leave that lifestyle back in the, you know the 70s and 80s it was the mindset was if you left you didn't come back and you know that and that always bothered me but uh but i felt that if i could put this all together and i and have and be able to do this and and also you know the, the pragmatic of it is if you look at a farm it's a business mm-hmm. It's no different than anything else. You have a balance sheet. You, and my contention was that, hey, I'm all for, for, for a yield bump. We raise sweet corn. I mean, we don't, we don't quantify our yield by, because uh, we have fresh market sweet corn, by bushels. But the thing is, I'm all for a yield bump. I'm all, I'm all for all of that. But if you have the greatest yield bump in the world, and then you lose that yield bump, because of an unnecessary machine repair or something that you didn't do to service your machine properly, then that's all gone. Mm -hmm. So I think in agriculture, we need to look at the whole balance sheet that we have to be concerned with agronomics, you have to be concerned with soil health, you have to be concerned with with crops and the yield bump, but also we cannot let that yield bump be evaporated in the farm shop. And that's my goal through successful farming is to help the farmer... I mean, I can't help you agronomically. <laughs> I can't help you with that, all right? I just know how to put the seed in the ground. But we, we have people in the magazine that could do that. And that's really what I'd like to do. I'd like for you to keep that yield bump and not have it go out the window. That's great. Yeah, that's that's a very uh, very admirable, admirable goal for uh, for to share with um, well, thank the you. farmers. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so uh, along those lines... Um, so if there's somebody listening that wants to wants maybe doesn't feel like they're too mechanically inclined, although I, I'd be hard to find a farmer who doesn't at least know a few things about yeah. how how engines work and how machinery works. But if they were just uncertain how to start, what kind of tools? What kind of what kind of um, what kind of tasks, service maintenance kinds of things should should somebody look at as the the first? first level of, of do-it-yourself kind of thing? Well, I think the first level of do-it-yourself, most likely most farm shops that I've, to- I've toured have more than enough basic hand tools, equipment, welders, what have you. There may be some specific task tools that would be engine-related. Mm-hmm. Let's say like a bore scope. That's a great thing. I mean, to have their inexpensive today, you could, fit it, you could put it down a spark plug hole and inject the hole, look inside an engine, see if there's a problem or what have you. So there are, there are some engine-specific tools. But in, 
but I'm going to probably throw something at you here, Jason. That that's different than you than you would think. That's right. It's more than a it's more than a tool. It's a thought process. Okay. You have to think like the machine. Okay. You have to have the right thought process, and you know, and especially now. Uh, you know, everybody says the crop prices aren't what they sh- what what they should be, and I agree a thousand percent. And and they're not what they used to be, and I agree a thousand percent. But that doesn't mean that we should cut back on maintenance. I think it's a, it's it's a long view, not a short view. So the short view is, hey, I'm going to you know push that oil change, and and yeah, there's wiggle room. You could do that. I'm not going to deny that, but. I look at maintenance and I look at the farm shop like I look at soil health on our farm. If I mine all the nutrients mm-hmm. out of the soil this year because I don't want to put, put give the crop what it needs, you know, f- you know, feed feed the soil, not the crop deal, right. right? And if I do that in the farm shop and I say, geez, I'm going to ex- use cheaper hydraulic fluid or I'm not going to ex- extend the oil or, or whatever you may choose to do. That's a... I mean, if you're retiring next year, I say, go for it, buddy. That's fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You go for it. But if you plan on being in this, in this business, in this industry, then I think it's a mindset as far as maintenance is concerned. And I can't tell you enough how a, how a good maintenance program probably gives you the best return on an investment on the farm ever. Yeah. All right, you're spending money now, granted, but you know you. But the return, and and you know, and that also go, go, going back to the balance sheet mindset. The thing is that if you look at, it, for instance, I'm gonna I'm gonna divest for a second and talk about a car I have. Okay, I have a little Ford Escort. And because of my writing career for successful farming and for car magazines, I travel quite a bit. And this little Escort has just shy of a half a million miles on it. Wow. It's got 400, I think 462 or four, whatever. It's not a half a million, it's shy of half a million. And people said to me, oh, the car lasted because you were a mechanic. No, the car lasted for two reasons. Number one, it was a good car. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, all I did was maintain it. I used high quality synthetic oil. I changed the oil. I, I didn't abuse it. I didn't wait for stuff to break. Right. I had, I, so I said, okay, at 250,000 miles, I put a fuel pump in it. The fuel <laughs> pump was still good. Yeah. All right. But I, in my business, as far as my writing life is concerned, if I make an appointment, let's say, to come out to successful farming, I have to be there. Mm-hmm. So this was not. So I use that mindset of maintenance, and and oftentimes, you know, I go to a I go to a farm or visit a farm or go to a friend's farm or something, and something simplistic like not putting the plugs, the plastic plugs, the rubber plugs, back into the open hydraulic lines, mm-hmm. and I see that. You know, I mean. That's going to cost you. That's yeah. not. That's like not brushing your teeth, <laughs> right? You know, and it and may save you two seconds now. Two seconds now, or 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 you know, things I see. I see a person buy. They they go and they they buy a a, a cheap aftermarket air filter, mm-hmm. and you could say, okay, fine. Well, maybe it maybe the filtration is is okay. Maybe it isn't. I I can't tell you to someone here. But the thing, what a lot of people don't understand is also is that there's a, and specifically on turbocharged equipment, which most farm equipment is, is that there's a pressure drop across that air filter. And then when you when you when the engine is exposed to an air filter that doesn't have the proper flow characteristics, so your for instance, a filter needs to f- to filter. That's what its name right. is, and it needs to be able to flow. Mm-hmm. So if it has proper filtration or does or doesn't is moved but doesn't have the proper flow characteristics, you're exposing that turbocharger seal 
on the compressor side to this high pressure differential and then over time not overnight not in a hundred hours you end up puking a turbo seal mm. now you put oil through everything so granted yeah you save ten dollars once a year or twice a year on the filter and then so many hours later whether it's a hundred hours 500 hours whatever the number may be you're buying a turbocharger right and you know murphy's law being what it is it's going to happen when you need that tractor. Right. You know, and now you have X amount of dollars invested in a crop. The crop either needs to get planted or needs to get out of the field. I mean, I know that empirically that you usually have some wiggle room getting out of the field unless you're up against it, unless it's going to snow. But planting, you know, you have that optimum window. And I look at my equipment on my farm to be like emergency equipment, like an ambulance, like a fire truck. It's got to roll when it's got to roll. Right. And so something like that. So I can't stress enough how, you know, and if you followed in, you know, this, this basically, you know, sounds like a canned presentation. If you follow the manufacturer's recommendations, but the thing basically is if you do, <laughs> you know, if you do what they say for you to do mm-hmm. and do it when you're supposed to do it, you will be surprised how long things last. And all I know is that on my end, I want the balance sheet of your farm to be very strong on the machinery side in the farm shop. I don't want you to spend money on repairs, but don't think that's saying don't spend money on maintenance. Right. Like I had, uh, you know, I've done, I've worked with, with successful farming and, you know, for a few years now and uh, been blessed to have stories in the magazine or articles, little articles about maintenance tips. And one of the things that uh, we covered a while back, and I believe we covered it on the TV show, mm-hmm. on the machinery show okay. last year about air conditioner service. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming up, yeah. That okay, it's on, coming up. Yep. You know, the thing basically is, is, you know, it's very simple to service. I mean, today, air conditioning in a, in a, in a piece of farm equipment is, is an essential element. Mm-hmm. It's like an office building. Because the windows don't open, so you have to have air conditioning. It wasn't like years ago. We had an open-platform tractor right. or the old open-platform combines, right? So the thing basically is, is that if that air conditioner doesn't work, I mean, you're really not – You can't use it. You can't use it in, in, for all intents and purposes. But who services their air conditioner? I'm not talking about just – changing the filter mm-hmm. or to say oh the belt is tight uh the refrigerant needs to be exchanged mm-hmm. like an oil change this uh what needs to happen on an air conditioner system is you need to evacuate it that means remove all the refrigerant that used to be r12 now they're mostly r134 right but so it's a refrigerant and then a vacuum needs to be pulled on the system and because what happens is that water will boil at 50 degrees Fahrenheit in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So over time, the natural heating and cooling and thermal cycling underneath the hood will, it will let some of the refrigerant out and in turn bring some moisture in. When the moisture from the atmosphere mixes with the refrigerant, it creates an acid. The acid eats the compressor. It eats what they call a desiccant. A desiccant is a moisture. It's, if you ever buy a piece of electronics, they have that little yeah, package, package looks like yeah. salt in there. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's a desiccant. Do, do not eat. Right, do not eat. My <laughs> wife ate that once. Actually, tr- <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> you don't die from at least. Uh, thank God she didn't. But anyway, uh, what happens? So it eats that desiccant bag and puts mm-hmm. those little salt-like crystals mm-hmm. through the whole system. Seizes the compressor, blocks the. Most of them use an orifice tube today to monitor to 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 uh, 
to uh, to control the free the refrigerant flow, and now you're looking at a three thousand dollar repair. Whereas if every two years, even if you had to bring the equipment to the dealership mm-hmm. to be serviced, and they pump down the AC unit, they evacuate it, they, they discharge it, they evacuate it, that's pulling a vacuum, boiling off the moisture, and filled it up with the proper amount of refrigerant and refrigerant oil. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting back to my little escort, 500,000 miles air conditioner, freeze you out, never put a nickel into it. So I don't want you to go into harvest and say, look at that. And you're going in with that combine and looking at that, that yield monitor. Man, this is great. Everything I learned, you know, I got X amount of bushels per acre. This is great, wonderful, you, you know. And then all of a sudden the AC pukes and you find out it's a $5,000 repair. Well, you just, gave your, you just gave your yield bump away. Yep. And what I like to tell the farmers that I have the opportunity to talk to is that look at everything in the ter- in the shop as bushels per acre. Right. So in essence, if you have a if you have an unnecessary five thousand dollar repair on your air conditioner in your combine, we're using that pick on that as an example, right? At three fifty corn, how many, how bushels, many bushels do you have to, to pay for that? And if it and if it costs you a couple of hundred dollars to pull the system down and service it, and that could give you, I'm not going to say it's never going to break. Right. But you're not going to grenade the whole thing. It's going to give you more time right. between. And, right. And if you could go five, ten, I mean, you know, my little escort's in 1998. I never served, I never did anything because I, to repairs for the acres because I serviced it. Mm-hmm. So the thing basically is, is that if you look at that and say, again, again, take the long view and look at that and say, hey, yeah, I'm going to, it's going to cost me a couple hundred dollars. But a lot of things, even you could buy an AC charging station. They're probably, because you need to buy a recovery unit with it today, you could probably buy one for around $2,000. So you must say, oh, God, I don't want to spend that. I don't want you to spend that. But let's think out of the box as farmers. Why don't you co-op that with a couple of friends of yours? You don't need it all the time. Right. So you got a couple of buddies. you got a couple of buddies from church. you got a couple of buddies from, from town. You say, hey, let's invest 500 bucks a piece, 400 whatever, 10 guys. Yep. 200 bucks a piece at, and, and bring the piece of equipment around because you're only going to use that equipment. You don't, you don't need to invest in it mm-hmm. to singularly. But I think we need to think out of the box. I think as farmers, we need to look at other industries and say, what do they do in other industries? They co-op stuff. Mm-hmm. And if it's not something you, you know, say, hey, I'm going, to pull my, I'm going to service all my air conditioners this year. Hey, do it in the pickup truck also because yeah. if the pickup truck goes bad it's a two thousand dollars that's still coming out of the bottom line yeah. regardless so that's that's my take that's on it. uh it's really interesting because because i like you said there is we, we are going to have a segment on the tv show about that you did um <clears throat> coming up in a in a show coming up here pretty soon but we were at a shop in missouri um dave moitz and i and and uh david ekstrom our other producer of the show um and the farmer down there uh had his own AC maintenance thing and was saying how his neighbors come by and he, he, you know, he's charging them less than it would cost for them to go in, you know, to take it to the dealership or take it to the, to take it to the, uh, 
wherever to do it. Yeah. But uh, it's the same kind of idea. Yeah, and the thing, basically, is but you need we need to do it. We need to we need to look at all this. Like I said, and it's so easy. You know, it's so easy, especially if funds are tight, if money is tight, and look at it. But like I say, is that you know it's it's the long view versus the short mm-hmm. view, and you know, and, and sadly, if you don't take care of it, I mean. It's going to come back, right? And it's going to come back to bite you, and it bites hard. Yep, it's only going to it's only going to keep going it's for gonna, so it, long. Eventually, right. and, and and you know it's the same thing with hydraulic fluids. It's the same thing with engine oils. It's the same thing with filtration. I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, it's really not overly complicated. It's just a matter of it's a matter of doing it. And it's a matter of having the mindset. And I say it's more of a thought process. Scheduling it and then yeah. sticking to the schedule. Yeah. Can I just add one other thing? Of course. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to go, go too long. You know. Uh, the thing, and another thing, which I, I and I believe I did a seg- I didn't think I did a segment on this on the TV show. I may have, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, whenever you have an engine, I don't care whether what it is, whether it's in the farm equipment, whether it's in your truck, your wife's car, and the engine is running. Basically, what does every engine do? It converts chemical energy to mechanical energy and burns fuel, whether it's diesel fuel, whether it's a, whether it's a gasoline. Or whether it's a E85 ethanol, it's chemical to mechanical energy conversion. That process creates heat. Heat is registered. The metric to 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 measure heat is BTU, British Thermal mm-hmm. Units. When you shut any engine off, and the hood is closed, when you shut any engine off, everything contrary to what you may believe is that all of the components become superheated and in engineering when we say superheated means it goes to an extended heat level beyond its normal operating range so what happened and why does that happen you say that's crazy i got the thing off how can i be superheated right that's because the residual heat is in the engine block it's in the cylinder head it's in all the components underneath the hood and in engineering the area that we have to work in we call it real estate so if you look at the under the hood of any piece of farm equipment a car a truck what have you you know even a lawnmower today there's not a lot of real estate because there's so much stuff there mm-hmm. that acts as a sponge and holds heat so what happens is that when the engine is shut off, you actually lose the cooling effect of the cooling system. So everything becomes elevated in temperature. By shutting open, shutting off the engine, before you shut off, let it idle for 30 or 40 seconds. And the reason why you're doing that is you're allowing the cooling system to, to absorb more of that heat. And then getting out of the piece of equipment or the vehicle and opening the hood. We all know from basic physics that heat rises. So if you open the hood and let that heat out, you limit the extent of what we would call in engineering the thermal excursion, how hot those underhood components get. And it is so simple. I tell people, put a post-it note on the dashboard. Put a post-it note on the cab or the tractor. You get done, hey, you're pulling a chisel plow, all right? I mean, you're, you're pulling up. Hey, some of these planters to pull them. You, I mean, you're using that 400 horsepower mm-hmm. tractor to pull those, right? Or So the thing is that, and you're stopping and you're shutting the engine off and you're calling it a day or whatever, you're refueling, get out, pop that hood because that heat dries out and affects everything underneath the hood. There's so much electronics today. There's the biggest killer of electronic components is heat so you have the electronics you have connections you have wires you have rubber hoses you have gaskets in the engine valve cover gaskets no there's no engine today you want to change a valve cover gasket on (laughs) all right valve cover gaskets you actually have the casting of the cylinder head uh 
not so much in farm equipment, but you'll see it in, in light-duty vehicles, pickup trucks, cars. A lot of engines, they have aluminum cylinder heads. When you actually shut that engine off, that coolant actually boils in that cylinder head, and it's very common for an aluminum cylinder head like that to over time. It's not going to happen the first time. You, you know, Don't be paranoid about this. But they use a steel insert for the exhaust valve seat and for the intake valve also, but they'll drop the seat because the thermal the thermal cycling will have it loosen up. Mm-hmm. And when you drop a valve seat, you just destroy the motor when you go to start it. Uh, cylinder head's cracking. All of this is from thermal cycling. So if you could get out there and remember to pop the hood. Now, I'm not saying if you go into town to get something, you jump out in the parking lot <laughs> and pop the hood, even though I sometimes do that. I will admit to it, right? And go then, to the grocery uh, store. But, right, go to grocery store. I mean, you have to be within reason, but but it gets back to a thought process, a mindset, that if this if this engine, be it farm tractor, be it car, be it pickup truck, be it sprayer, what have you, if we could limit the extent of the thermal excursion mm-hmm. and how many thermal excursions, well, you just added life to it. That's and 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 that's really really important. I mean, if you uh, you don't like our our farm tractor, uh, you know, I get done doing something, I pop the hood. Uh, it's fourteen years old, has no leaks. The hoses are beautiful. There's, the belt is beautiful. Nothing is leaking. The electronics are all good. I could go take. You know, there's nothing worse than and then going to take a connector off. Let's say let's say you you're doing something under the hood of a piece of farm equipment or a truck, and you need. Okay, this is real simple. I got to change this sensor. I got to change this whatever. Right. Or, or I got to change the thermostat. And you go to touch the plastic connector and it breaks in your hand. Mm-hmm. That's from thermal cycling. That connector dried out from those heat exposures. And now what became a five-minute repair is now a nightmare. Right. That's a, that's a really great tip because, for one, it doesn't cost anything. It costs nothing. Yeah. And it's good exercise. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, like you said, it's just a thought process, just a way to think differently about, uh, about how you... And that's really, that, that's really what it boils down to. You know, uh, I'm going to get back to my car days, if, if, if I can, for yeah, a second. Sure. You know. And years ago, we were young men, and uh, we went out to, to Zanesville, Ohio. Uh, there used to be an NHRA drag race there. Uh, used to call it the Spring Nationals. And uh, they used to say, you know, that's where I first heard the saying as a young boy that, you know, if you don't like the weather in Ohio, stick around 10 minutes, it'll change. But <laughs> I think no matter where you live in farm country, you could use that saying. But what happened was that uh, we went out to that to that race. We were young kids, and... Uh, had a 68 Dodge Dart, and we drove out there and everything, you know, and it was great. And uh, But it, it was raining, so they had seminars going on, and there was a chassis company uh, called Alston. I don't know if they're still in business. They made drag race chassis. And this was many, many years ago. There was no PowerPoint. There was no, there was a slide presentation. Mm-hmm. All right, they had, a, they, had a, they had a they had a presentation on setting up the chassis. Now, we didn't have a drag car, but I like to learn. So we went to this seminar, and I remember the person running it. I mean, I was a young kid, maybe 18, 19 years old. And the person running it uh, had slides and everything, and they had this beautiful picture of a, of a drag, drag slick wrinkling up. Because when the car leaves the line, they call it wrinkling the tire. And if you have the chassis set right, you really wrinkle the tire. All right. So basically what in essence, and then he had the, the person giving the seminar had these slides. And, and what he spoke about, and I don't remember what the dynamics of chassis setting up, but what I did carry 
with me for the next 30 years was he says is that it all has to be in harmony hmm. he says it needs to be in balance and if we look at agriculture if we look at all the advancements we've had today with pushing yields if we look at, at things we're doing today for soil health cover crops all right what are we talking about we're talking about the plant the soil god's creation being in harmony mm-hmm. bringing back that harmony same thing as in the farm shop right <laughs> you need that piece of equipment to be in harmony you need to listen to it you know just like in the on you know the crop we'll do a, a tissue analysis right mm-hmm. to say hey is the uptake of the plant is what's there you know well we can't do a tissue analysis with machinery but we could do oil analysis mm-hmm. we do hydraulic fluid analysis right we could listen you know the machinery talks to you it's do you want to choose to hear it and and i can't and if i i cannot stress enough how that mindset now the sad part about it is if you go out to the shop and something's broken today this talk i did with you or have and having that you listen to is going to do nothing for you because (laughs) if it's broken it's broken broken. you know if the crop is dead the crop is dead but it's that change of that mindset and if and and I, I believe that there's a three-legged stool here. The is the agronomic component of farming. There's the marketing component of farming, and there's the machinery component of farming. And if it's a three-legged stool, and if we take that three-legged stool and put the same attention to detail, and it may not be the same person, right? You know, back east we were mostly dairy farms, mm-hmm. so we had somebody who took care of the cows, and somebody who did the field work or did the field work and the machinery or what have you and mm-hmm. there was and and I'm sure it's like that every place else but if you have if you look at it it's really not difficult and it's really it's and I mean I want everybody listening to this to, I love success and the name of the magazine is successful farming I want you to be successful and I just feel that I could help you be successful and this there's nothing to do with me this is because I see so much of an unsuccessful mindset, not in the field, mm-hmm. in the shop. Right. And under the hood. And nothing makes me happier than seeing you have a great harvest, great crop prices, and and not spending money on unnecessary repairs. Right. Very, very nice. Very helpful. Let's just pause for a second here and uh, thank our sponsor. Um, today's program is brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit Acuron-Herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. Um, so we, we touched on the TV show a little bit, and one of the reasons you're here in town, among other things, out, out here in Des Moines out of, um, from New Jersey, is to shoot some segments for the next, next round of machinery shows. What are some of the topics... Um, that we're gonna we're gonna hear from you about tomorrow. Okay, I'm working off of memory. All right, <laughs> I'm working off of memory, but Dave Mowitz has authorized them. Uh, if well, one of the topics I'll do my best to recite them to you uh, is HEI ignition diagnosis. Now, HEI. Look, I'm I'm going to admit this to you because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, you know, thank God we all have farms. And a lot of room because we throw nothing away. 
All right, and that's from our conservative upgrading, our conservative mentality. It may not be good for the road, but it's good for the field, and it's it's eventually, you know, we're the original recyclers. Mm-hmm. We re, you know, the, the key buzzword today in everything is a repurpose. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, we farmers have been repurposing everything since their existence. So the thing is that there's a lot of trucks, equipment, irrigate old irrigation engines, or pump or, or auger that used a General Motors Chevrolet engine. And back in 1975, they came out with an ignition called HEI, High Energy Ignition. Okay. Uh, that's 41 years ago. People still don't know how to service it. Hmm. So there's a lot of farm trucks that could be used. There's a lot of old motors that could be used. So one of the topics I'm going to discuss is how to properly diagnose and service an HEI distributor from an old General Motors engine that I'm sure is around someplace right. on your farm. Another topic I want to discuss um, for the show we're going to cover for the show, excuse me, is we'll talk a little bit about fuel. Two different segments on fuel. One is going to be grouped together, cetane and octane. Matter of fact, I did it. I did a short article in Successful Farming about that, and uh, people don't understand. Hey, you pull up to the gas pump in town, right? It says regular plus super or whatever you may right. call it, 87, 89, 92 octane. What is truly octane? Uh so we're going to discuss that, and then the the uh, counterpart to that with diesel fuel, which usually is not labeled on the pump. Believe it or not, in New Jersey it is. It's probably one of the few states that okay. labels cetane. So we're going to talk about what cetane is and what octane is. Uh, I want you to be an educated consumer. So when you buy fuel, I guess, and uh, depending upon the price of oil, crude oil and depending upon the price of everything else is that probably fuel depend is probably the third or fourth largest input into your farm and if oil goes up to 150 dollars a barrel maybe two or three uh but it's a, it's definitely a large input mm-hmm. into the farm into that balance sheet again right and sadly, the majority of people spend all this money on something. Your fuel is really unique because you spend a lot of money on it. You 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 benefit from it, but you never see it. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a your gallon of diesel fuel in your hand. Right. You pump it into the tractor. The truck comes to the farm and puts it in a tank. You don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. You know it's there. So the thing basically is, is that the, the I would you know if I had to call it, the farmer's guide to understanding fuel. Okay. It's not going to be a thesis, but to understand fuel. So that's another another segment I plan to do. Uh, another one I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about is uh, oh geez uh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I have uh, geez uh, I'm I'm gonna talk about the uh, HEI. I'm gonna talk about the fuel. I'm gonna do something on gasoline on specific gravity weight of gasoline. Okay. I'm gonna talk about oh how to properly diagnose a uh, no start problem on a gas engine. Okay. So that's another thing. That's another thing I'm going to discuss. The other thing I'm. Uh, the other topic I want to cover is uh, is diagnosing uh, whitish blue smoke on engine startup. Talk about uh, valve stem seals and valve guides and uh, what's happening there. What you need to look for. What you need to look for uh, on it. Uh, 
And uh, there was eight of them, but I'm sorry, I got that's brain a, That's fake. all right. I kind of put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no, no. I should know it because I'm going to be doing them tomorrow. But, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's like, you know, hey, I'm a typical farmer, right? We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. We got to yep. worry about, we're gonna, how, you know, my wife would say, well, how are you going to handle that when you turn around? And I'm not there yet. I'm at the other <laughs> end of the field. I'll figure out how to turn around when I get there. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we're uh, getting close on time. Um, I mean, we could probably talk a lot longer. But uh, one thing I wanted to, to um, bring up and uh, ask you about uh, is how responsive you are to uh, questions from the audience. You're you're really uh, it, it, and it's you that you're. If somebody asks a question, you're the one that's answering it when we send you somebody's question. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, in the magazine, in Successful Foreign Magazine, in uh, in my page there, um, at the end I have a web uh, website, a uh, email, email address, mm-hmm. sfenginemanandagriculture.com. And then at the end of each TV segment, I close and up on the screen, uh, Jason, you put up on the screen, uh, uh, the, the, the same email address. And I want to say to you, though, I really am, I mean, I'm sincere. I, I want to communicate with you and... Uh, and if someone contacts me, I will definitely, definitely, definitely get back to them. I'm not going to say I have all the answers, uh, but I will hopefully steer you in the proper direction. And I will not abandon you. Uh, if I don't have the answer or if I don't know something, say try something, get back to me. And, and, and lots of times, uh, if you do email me with a question, if it's something a little bit more detailed, include your phone number. Uh, I, I like to talk to the – if it's a simple question, then I could email you back or what have you. But oftentimes, I like to open up a dialogue mm-hmm. instead of a monologue. And uh, so I like to talk to you because I can say, well, geez, did you check this? What about this? What about that? And then we could go back and forth. Right. And, uh, and I, I, look, I, I look forward to it. And, uh, and we've had uh, – We've 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 had a lot of people contact me and 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 I am grateful and hopefully I was able to help them and steer them. But but you know here at Successful Farming, like I said, think of the name and the magazine. We want you to be successful and and if anything that I could do to help you, I mean, oftentimes, you know, I'm phone fixing something. I can't get there and work on it with you, but mm-hmm. but you know, I could steer you in the right direction or, or or help you out or what have you. And also to tell you the truth, that's how I learn, and then I take that that experience and then i could i could give that to someone else so please feel free to use that it's that's something here at successful farming that that we want to be able to offer to uh, either the, the viewers or the listeners of this podcast or uh, or read the magazine that mm-hmm. that you know you, you need to ask somebody something sometimes right and uh, but the only thing that i can say to you though is that i will hold your feet to the fire <laughs> So if I say to you, well, what's the fuel pressure? You tell me it's good. Uh, 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 I yes. know if, if you check something, you know, it's like, so what's your soil? Oh, it's this. It's sandy. Okay, give me a CEC. You know, don't tell me, oh, it's sandy or it's this or it's that. Or, well, you know, I mean, if I say, what's your fuel pressure? What's your this? What's, if I, you know, if you don't have that, you know, I'm going to send you back. I'm going to say, all right, when you get that information, contact me again because you cannot diagnose anything. Think of it, you know, practical. Go on to a doctor. I don't feel good. What's your symptom? I don't know. I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. The thing basically is we have to have, and from my years of being in diagnostics with engines and working with oscilloscope companies, when you check something, I don't care what it is, you got a number. Yeah. <laughs> if you tell me it's good, 
You know, that's that's not a number. It means that you you think it's good, and oftentimes, and you you have to remember, diagnostics is not so much finding out what's wrong; it's finding out what's not wrong. Ruling ruling things out. You go to a doctor. I don't feel good. Okay, let's start with a blood test, chest X ray, and 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 whatever. And you come back and say, okay, that's all good. Well, thank God that's all good. But that doesn't mean you're well. Yeah. We have to look further. So if we can't conclusively rule things out, and so many times guys just want to say, oh, it's good or it's that, or I know it's not that. And that's really you know what the segment about the gas engines because we're going to talk about we're going to talk about how to properly check for spark, and that doesn't mean pull the wire off and have somebody crank it or pull the rope on the small motor and get a shock (laughs) (laughs) or ground the spark plug to the engine block and say, oh, we got spark. That don't cut it because that doesn't mean it's going to be spark Spark in the solder. So basically, that's the only thing I ask is have numbers. Okay. All right. Well, Ray, thanks a lot for coming in. It's always nice to have you you in town for a visit and uh, thanks for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it and uh, and I really uh, you know appreciate being able to uh to uh, connect with the with the audience and uh, hey remember when you get done if you listen to this in a tractor or a combine, pop that hood when you get done. Perfect. Thank you. That's our show for today. I'd like to thank Ray Bohex for being our guest and thank you for listening. Please remember to visit our website at agriculture.com slash radio. You can look for the Successful Farming Podcast there. Um, This is our first show, so we don't really have any listener comments or feedback yet. So um, reach out to us and let us know what you think. Um, If you got any questions for Ray, let me know at podcast at agriculture.com you can send me a note and let me know what you think of the show let me know what you want to hear on the future shows and um just to interact with us we like i said top of the show we want to hear from you we want to make this as interactive as possible so reach out to us i'd also like to thank our sponsor Um, Today's program was brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit acuron-herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.